Slovakia. Their first World Cup as an independent nation. The cup holders, Italy, are gone. Cannavaro had already announced his retirement from international football, and the captain has done the emotions on the surface on both sides. The shocker of all shocks, the Italians finish at the bottom of their group, and Slovakia go through. Do you know, Ruhulet, that if you take the FIFA World Rankings, and people might argue with some of the numbers, but that group, for any seeded team, and Italy was the seeded team, was the easiest of all eight groups, and Italy is at the bottom. Hello friends, we are back again with the Sports Bench podcast which is under the umbrella of the popular Indicast and as the World Cup moves ahead into a territory of suspense, we continue our special World Cup 2010 edition. The tournament uh, now gets really really serious because one team has to go home at the end of each game. A second chance will be the next World Cup. Even for an all-conquering team which has played brilliantly in the first round, one bad day can mean sudden death. So the season of penalty shootouts and sudden death starts today. Uh, to kickstart the excitement, uh, we have with us again Arunav Chaudhary from Clone in Germany today. Thanks Arunav to be here again. Hi Nani, good to be back guys. Yes, Arunav, look at the reward that Germany gets for topping its group, okay? It has to face England next. Well, it's I think, you know, one of those things that you can't choose your opponents in the knockout stage of a World Cup. And, uh, you know, I had uh, myself done a little planning with my friends and you know, who could we face in, in moving on. And I actually had... England in the pre-quarters, I had Argentina in the quarters, I had Spain in the semis, I had Brazil in the finals. So, you know, that is uh, now the route that we would have to take to become world champions. But uh, let's see, I think anything is possible, as you just said, you know, the knockout stages are, um, it's a one-off thing and it depends on how the team performs on a particular day because, you know, there are certain surprises and we'll be talking about them a little later on. But at the end of the day, most of the usual suspects have come through the system and, you know, have made it through from uh, the group stages. France and Italy, uh, not surprising enough, you're saying? France played and ended the way I feared they would. I think that the French Federation should have fired Dominic four years ago. Um, <laughs> they didn't do it. They didn't do it two years ago. And uh, now they're getting the rewards. I think that's their biggest blunder that the Federation kept this man, even though he's the most hated man in France and his players don't like him. And, you know, this is this was the end as sadly it would have to come. So on the other side, Italy, I didn't expect much from Italy, but I would have expected Italy at least to come through the group stages and uh, play uh, the pre-quarters and maybe the quarters. But going out in that group the way they did, chapeau to the Slovaks. I mean, they had an excellent game against Italy and uh, I feel a little sad for New Zealand. I mean, they didn't lose the game, but they're still out. So, you know, this is... It's a crazy group, but, you know, this is what a football World Cup is all about. But at least the last time around, at the end of the Euro, the news conference was an interesting one. Raymond Dominic, he he proposed to his girlfriend. <laughs> this time he did not have that kind of an interesting thing to do. So we have we have teams like uh, South Korea, Uruguay. Uruguay has been in the uh, World Cup uh, after a break. Uh, Ghana, uh, I don't know if Ghana has not scored a goal in open play, right? I think Ghana has been the pick of the African teams but at the end of the day Ghana shows a typical problem not only for African sides but for so-called smaller sides and that is scoring goals and uh, you know if they didn't have their penalties um, in in those two matches uh, they would have been out of the tournament so on that front I would say that you know Ghana has been quite lucky to get their penalties but um, on the other side of course you know that's the sad thing of this World Cup it's been an African World Cup everyone said you know Africa has come of age will they be able to show it and they haven't actually. You know, most of them actually went out teamly, even though, of course, you know, South Africa was very happy after the win against France. But I think against that French team and another one of those dubious red cards, 
uh, I think, you know, even a, lo- a number of other teams would have been able to win that night. But, you know, I think that African football is moving forward, and, but it needs time. I think the good signs for Asian football are that Japan and South Korea made it through the group and to some extent made it through the group in style. So that's a very, very good sign. Bad sign for us, of course, because, you know, India will be facing South Korea in the Asian Cup in January. Australia as well, who were quite good, but, you know, were not good enough. I mean, the loss against Germany was too big a task after that to get back. And uh, it's going to be very, very interesting to see North America, of course, you know, Mexico and the U.S. getting through. I think the U.S. were to a certain extent impressive as well. And uh, they deserve to top the group ahead of England. So, yeah, it's been a a very interesting tournament overall. Uh, We talked about surprises and Cameroon, I believe, went out probably because of poor formations or poor selection, team selection. But Ivory Coast, uh, I believe Ivory Coast uh, was a bigger surprise. I guess uh, Drogba's injury before the World Cup took took the momentum out of their campaign. And the 7-0 thrashing of North Korea by Portugal hurt Ivory Coast more than it hurt North Korea. Well, it... It will certainly hurt North Korea because, you know, I don't know if you've been reading the, the what has been on the net that, you know, the players will be going back and might be forced to work in a coal mine or something. So <laughs> it might even hurt them physically. But I would say that Ivory Coast mistake was not, you know, thereafter. I think Ivory Coast mistake was against Portugal, where Ivory Coast was better than against Portugal, but they just couldn't score all of their chances. So we come back to that old problem that, you know, teams are unable to really get their goals against Brazil. They were decent. They were very unlucky with decisions with the referee, which you know, seem to be favouring the Brazilians. And that has been one of the issues which I think is very, very tricky in this World Cup. Even Italy, who I don't support, actually got their 2-2 equaliser against Slovakia was actually not offside. So, you know, the US, two goals were disallowed. Germany's game or Switzerland's game or even France's game with those red cards were destroyed by the refs where you question... There are other teams, I've written it in my blog, where I feel that, you know, Argentina and Brazil were actually very, very lucky to get away. Argentina got two goals which were not genuine against South Korea. And, you know, the Brazilians against Ivory Coast, I mean, they were faking all the time. Uh, Luis Fabiano should be banned for a year for, you know, if a referee comes to you and asks you, listen, uh, did you play it with your chest or did you play it with your hand? And you say you played it with your chest and you did it twice. Mm. I mean, this is, you know, this this needs to be gotten rid of. And, you know, the faking of Brazilians, of Cristiano Ronaldo's and all these guys, punishment needs to be harder because otherwise this faking and falling in the area and falling down and all... This will become a nuisance in the next few years. I guess the players are to blame much more than the referees. I think that's that's an issue. I think I wrote it in my blog in, uh, in such a way that, you know, that if a referee goes to a player and asks the player, listen, did you play handball? You have to have the guts and you have to be honest enough to say, yeah, I did. In this situation, Luis Fabiano actually did it twice. And in the press conference, he's actually smiling. He's smiling at the ref. And that annoys me even more. And he says, listen, this is like hand of God of Maradona. And that's why I'm not a fan. I'm honestly, I'm not a fan of the South Americans because in these kind of situations, they're not honest enough. I think if Thierry Henry was asked uh, in the match against Ireland, did you play a handball? I think Thierry Henry would have been honest enough to say, yeah, I did, if he was asked by the ref. And that's, I think, a difference in culture which has to be understood. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, when it comes to being honest, I'm a fanatic on that front. And, you know, that's one of the things which I'm very strict about. That's why the teams in Southern Europe and in um, South America, that's one of the reasons I don't like them for, for, for being not fair on a number of fronts. I mean, you saw as well uh, yesterday Chile against Spain, the way the Chileans were going into their opponents. It's got nothing to do with football. It was more rugby than football. In fact, the Yuan in the Brazil-Portugal game, uh, the handball, uh, he was the last man, but uh, he all he got was a yellow card, right? For that, I, I, I guess that was a red card uh, offense. 
I think that's another one of those tricky ones. I think that wasn't a very clear one because Cristiano Ronaldo's chance was not directly clear on towards the goal, but Juan was the last man. So yes, it should have been a red card. Kaka did it twice the other night, and you know, and then uh, Dunga and Kaka are saying, "Listen, why am I getting a card?" I mean, uh, you know, they're doing a body check wherever the player holds it. That's the other problem. You see that those Ivorians have also learned from these guys. You know, uh, hold your face, don't hold your neck, because when you hold your neck, the guy won't get a card. Um, and this nuisance needs to stop. This nuisance needs to stop on all fronts. And this morning afterwards, I think that FIFA needs to get much, much stricter. Even um, David Villa, his hand has got nothing to do in the face of the, of, the, of the guy of the Honduran defender. And then he gets away. So you're setting bad precedents and, and, and you know, you're setting bad precedents, um, which FIFA and, you know, the officials should avoid then all these discussions would not be there. And I think FIFA also needs to decide is, do we want to take certain numbers of referees from one referee per country, certain number of referees from certain confederations, or do I want to have the best referees officiating in the World Cup? I mean, if a team from Europe and South America is playing, the referee can't be from Europe. Ridiculous in these days. So a lot of things which which I find have, have, have not helped this World Cup and... The problem is that, of course, that decisions are often not taken. Even technology could have been used on a number of fronts, uh, which would have helped. But, um, yeah, let's see how they, you know, they take it forward. And if FIFA learns its lessons from this World Cup on a number of fronts and actually takes those critical decisions to, to improve the game of football. Is it about uh, is it about the grassroots? What uh, children are taught when they join academies, when they start playing football? Is, is, should it start from there? Certainly. I think, I think there are certain fronts, certain things which are very, very crucial when it comes to football. I think um, I've seen some lovely documentaries over the last couple of weeks on, on, on German television or on the BBC, which highlight that, you know, coaches have actually gone to South Africa now and are going into the townships and teaching players values. This is getting lost. I think um, the YouTube generation likes to follow the tricks of the top players. That's why Cristiano Ronaldo is being followed so much because, you know, he does his tricks, he does it here and there. Robinho is loved because of those tricks. But at the end of the day, there, there should be an ethics in football. I think for, that's why FIFA is bigger than the United Nations. And, and it's a task which FIFA has, which the coaches have, and also the players have. I think a lot of players don't understand and don't realize that they are very, very important ambassadors for their countries and for the world, actually. So um, it needs to be taught to the kids that, that, you know, honesty is part of the game and is a very crucial aspect of the game. I know I'm talking a lot about this, but I, I feel very strongly about it that, um, you know, if Luis Fabiano set a standard, I think he would have gotten a prize afterwards and said, listen, for fair play. Now he should get a prize of being the, one of the most unfair players in the world. I mean, you touch the ball twice and you score a goal. The referee asks you, you, say, you smile at him and say, no, no, I touched it with my chest doesn't set a good example and um, you know I think I said these kind of things need to be looked into to avoid that you know football becomes a carnival sort of thing football is a game it's a hard tough and rough game but it's a it's the beautiful game and it should remain the beautiful game in fact uh, Didier Drogba is a very amusing or funny example uh, we, you talked about being an ambassador for the game he has done really great job, used football to unify the, the unrest in his country, Ivory Coast. But on the field, he is, uh, he is not fair at all. Well, fair and fair are two different things. I think Didier Drogba, players like Didier Drogba fight until, they would fight until the last drop of blood. Yep. And sometimes that aspect makes you uh, go over boundaries. 
and I don't think that he would um, would do it on purpose. But that's the thing that you fight, uh, and if you fight, if you honestly fight, if you're a hard player, you know, I, I would always say, you know, from my point of view, I think a Mascarano in that sense is better than 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 you know those those creative guys because he's an honest fighter. It might be unfair once in a while, but he's an honest guy. He fights. That's why Maradona's even made him the captain. You know, that's why uh, Javier Mascarano is the captain of Argentina because you know you can you know rest be assured that this guy will give you 100%. And that's the thing which, you know, we always look at the players and say, listen, Messi is the best, Cristiano Ronaldo is the best, Kaka is the best. Offensive players, attacking players, strikers scoring the number of goals. But there are a lot of players in defensive midfield. And that's also one of the biggest changes I'm seeing in this World Cup is that defensive holding players in this classical number six position are becoming more and more crucial. We talked about it the other day with Jan that strikers, their importance to the game is being diminished. So, you know, this is a very interesting shift. And that's an interesting yep. thing to see that even Brazil, Argentina, with all their flair and all their class up front, they actually are taking care more of their defense and defensive line in midfield before they actually go out into attack. I mean, that was one of the things which I saw yesterday in the Brazil-Portugal game that both Kiros as well as Dunga were more defense-minded than actually attacking-minded. That will be interesting to see if they can get the switch going again when mm-hmm. the knockout stages start off because especially Brazil against Chile could be a great game because Chile against Spain, I mean, Marco, uh, sorry, Marcelo Bielsa allowed his team to play free-flowing football Yes, against Spain, even though yep. they needed a draw. I mean, if Switzerland had won 2-0 against Honduras yesterday, Chile would have gone home. But yep. still, they played their attacking flared football. They were finished after 75 minutes. They couldn't even walk properly. The Spanish yeah. were happy with their 2-1 victory. Otherwise, the Spanish would have destroyed them towards the end. So, that's another interesting thing. Um, and also another thing, you know, we always talk in India about height, 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 that, you know, our players are too short. I've seen Chile... I've seen Mexico. I've even seen Honduras. They're all as tall or maybe some of them even shorter than our Indian team. So, you know, it is not about height. It's about technical yep. abilities, about tactical abilities, which takes you to a World Cup. And I've said in the past, North Korea is not much better than us. But hey, on their night, they could have actually held Brazil to a draw. Even Japan uh, has got only three players, I believe, above uh, six feet. So, look at the great players. Look at Diego Maradona. Uh, Serbia, I don't know if you had great experience, but uh, a disappointment over there? Well, I think Serbia is is, is a typical example of uh, what I thought, you know, what could happen. And um, I said Germany did cause the upset, which I predicted before the tournament against Germany. But Serbia were back to the usual self against Australia. I, um, they were very unlucky, I think, in the first half. They couldn't score their goals. But... It was typical to some extent, again, that they, um, you know, didn't rise to the occasion, actually beat the Australians as they was needed and they were out of the tournament. And that's the typical example with these teams. I think Serbia is a very good example. Slovenia as well. I think, you know, Slovenia beat the Russians to come into the World Cup. But the other afternoon against England, they were non-existent. It just shows that some of these teams are quite happy to get through the group stages, be in the World Cup and then play a few yeah. matches and then go home. I think even Honduras, I think, you do question why they're there. Even North Korea, I think uh, the first match was excellent, but and the first half against Portugal was okay. But yeah. uh, the next one and a half game, you know, the, you'd have to question why North Korea was in the tournament. We talked about the absence of whitewashes in, in our last episode and North Korea obliged us immediately. 
Well, that's 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 the beauty of football. When you talk about something, it suddenly happens. After the game, I remembered your words that you know India could be there instead of North Korea, and I said it's good that India is not there. <laughs> yeah, but still, even if we were there, and even if we lost six, seven, eight nil against a team, I think you know, I think it would be good for our football. I think that that's yeah, yeah, the sure, crucial sure. thing. And uh, yeah. on that front, I think you know it would have been great for us to be there instead of North Korea. But it shows us the potential that even if a North Korea can get there, then now even more our boys should think, listen, there are four and a half spots in Asia. It's very difficult to get through that. But yes, we can do this. Yes, we can make it. And, you know, Barack Obama would say, yes, we can. I think New Zealand should be an example for us. These guys come into the World Cup, you know, the all whites, nobody knows them, nobody cares about them. And suddenly, um, they draw all of the teams, you know, they drew Italy, they drew Paraguay and they drew Slovakia, you know, who would have, would have thought that before the World Cup? And uh, with a little bit of more luck, I mean, they would have even moved on and moved on as a stop of Group F. So, that's the thing, that's the, what a World Cup is about. I think that's the biggest lesson for the Asian Cup. I think that's, you know, I've written in my blog when I wrote about lessons for India. And it's important to see who we should play before the Asian Cup. I think, you know, we should play the... Uh, Kiwis. I think that would be interesting to, you know, comparable style to the Aussies. We need to play a North Korea. I know I'm drifting a little away from the World Cup uh, and towards the Asian Cup, but there are, you know, there are a lot of things that we can learn from this and which hopefully will take us to a World Cup maybe in eight or 12 years and then we're there. And that would be great, you know, for all of us to see. And, you know, I think India would bring a total new aspect, a new flair into a World Cup football tournament. So, what are the matches that we are looking forward to? Uh, of course, England versus Germany stands out as high-voltage drama uh, potential. Any other games that we are looking forward to, Arnav? The derby on the Iberian Peninsula. It's Spain versus Portugal is the other big one. I think that's going to be a killer game. I think, you know, and, and uh, both sides are not the best of friends. So, it could be quite a rough and tough game like the Brazil versus Portugal game yesterday. It's interesting that uh, European sides are facing only European sides in the second round. Uh, there is no Latin America versus Europe in, in this round. So Mexico well, that's one of those Ar- interesting aspects. I think the interesting aspect is that, you know, Europe is there only with six sides this time around. Yeah. There will be only three European teams in the quarterfinals. Last time around in Germany, there were six teams from Europe plus Brazil and Argentina. And uh, all semi-finalists were from Europe last time around. So um, that's not possible anymore. I think the good sign is for us that Asian football is there. You know, you've got your South Korea and Japan in there. Uh, South Korea somewhat expected after their performance against Greece. But Japan was excellent against uh, Denmark. And they are a tricky side now. I think they've got this uh, set-piece situation sorted out. You know, I think even the, the South American clash of Brazil, Chile and, you know, the the clash of the Americas, Argentina versus Mexico. Those are those are those are going to be interesting games. But I think one of the one game which could be a cracker could be actually tonight USA versus Ghana. I think uh, if the Americans play to their potential, they could be a very tricky side and a side which could could go on a long way. Ghana on the other side, if they, they could be also a difficult side. And um, of course, you've got of course Uruguay who have been very, very impressive so far. And um, the South Korea test will be very interesting for them. Yeah, Ghana versus USA, two teams uh, with a never-say-die attitude. So that will be an interesting one, definitely. Uh, tomorrow, Sunday, is is really a power-packed Sunday. Uh, Holland, uh, if, if there is one team which got a reward, just reward for topping its group, it's Holland. Uh, Jan Roscott must be smiling because uh, Holland has to face uh, Slovakia. Although it's 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 the knockout stage and you really can't you know look down upon any well, team. Well, that's the thing. What Italy thought, you know, oh, we're playing Slovakia in the last match. We'll win that anyway, and we'll go through. So you know, Slovakia gave them a wake up call, and I think the Slovaks are going to be on a high. Uh, they're a difficult side, and 
Of course, the Netherlands are a team which is playing pragmatic football, but at the end of the day, they're winning their matches. And the last few occasions they've done that, they've been out of the tournament sooner than later. So they should watch out. I think um, that's the one. And I think, you know, I think Argentina and Mexico could be another water clash. I think, you know, last time around, uh, Argentina just about beat Mexico, even though Mexico towards the end was the better side in, in 2006. Even Paraguay and Japan, you know, don't, I don't think the Paraguayans should take it for granted that they'll get past uh, Japan. So these two matches with South American sides against Asian sides are going to be very interesting because the Asian sides are going to give it an all go, uh, uh, you know, can run 90 minutes. So I'm really, really looking forward to these pre quarterfinals. Yeah, there is, there is also a dash of uncertainty there, you know, an unknown, unknown quantity. These uh, Asian sides are for teams like Paraguay, who have actually who have been who have been in World Cups before Uruguay as well. So that will be interesting. So I believe we have covered uh, most of the teams that are in the round of 16. But uh, I don't know uh, for, for the especially for the England Germany game. What what are the strengths and uh, weaknesses that you on, on both sides that you are you know that you have in your mind? I think the biggest weakness of England will be their goalkeeper. And if we go into penalty shootouts, I think they've got a psychological problem. I think uh, it's one thing which you always hear and read, oh my God, again against the Germans. And they, you know, they're losing military tone um, by the yellow press. Not even the yellow press, even the general English papers are doing that. And I think that's, that's wrong. I think the Second World War is quite far away from us now. So they're actually talking more about their weaknesses than their strengths. Um, I think if you look at both teams and if you look at the names... You would normally say England's are fa- England are favourites, but um, if you look at the performances in this tournament, then I would say it's the other way around, and I would say this young German team are favourites, and yep. uh, I would go with it. I think that uh, this German team has set itself to a certain standard. Um, I think Ghana was a very very good test for these boys. I think uh, they were nervous to some extent, but they got through this exercise, and I see a lot of similarities in Germany's campaign to the campaign that Germany had at Euro two thousand eight. Won their first match comprehensively, lost the second match, won the third match in a in a tough fight, one nil, and then they played their best match against Cristiano Ronaldo's Portugal in that epic three yeah. two win. So you know it might take a similar path. Of course, Michael Balak is not there, but uh, the main worry in the German camp is that Bastian Schweinsteiger is injured, and Schweinsteiger was exceptional the other night against Ghana. I mean, he was covering for everyone and, and, you know, he just has to be a little bit more creative and more imaginative as he's been in the past when he was an attacking midfielder. Then I yeah. think Schweinsteiger could be a complete player and, you know, one of those top stars of this World Cup. And, of course, Mesut Özil's goal. I think uh, not many players can score such goals. And uh, um, a friend of mine said six, seven months ago when he was playing for Werder Bremen and he was actually not that much in the limelight for the German national team. Özil uh, reminded him of the young Zidane. And um, I'm seeing more and more of Özil, you know, and um, I have to agree that, you know, there's, there's this flair of Zidane, there's this aura of Zidane, and he could become, actually, he's just 21, I mean, he could become a great player. So on that front, I think Germany are quite, quite set. If Schweinsteiger doesn't play, youngster Toni Kroos comes in. Um, could be a little problem, but I think, you know, Germany are set as a team. And uh, on the other side, England, I think, will hope that Wayne Rooney finally comes to the party, I think. That's the biggest worry for them. That yeah, um, I, I guess, there has been talk. Again. Yeah, there has been talk that he even he is uh, carrying some kind of an injury. Uh, but, well, I think uh, that's what what you say afterwards to to say. Listen, yeah. I haven't been able to score <laughs> my goals. So uh, I think Wayne Rooney's uh, season ended against Bayern Munich in Munich when he limped off injured. I think since then he's not been the same Rooney. Yeah. 
I said the psychological thing does play on the English players. It could go into extra time. It could, could go into penalty shootouts. But I do think that Germany most probably at this stage, if they can play their game again, are a little better than England and I most probably would bet on a 2-1 win for Germany. Interesting aspect is uh, England, the, the so-called golden generation, some of the players like Gerard, Terry, we might not be seen again in a World Cup. While on the other hand, Germany is mostly a, a Gen X side uh, preparing for Brazil 2014. That's what what, uh, what was said you know, earlier. But uh, uh, after the first match uh, against Australia, you know, the odds receded drastically. Yeah, Schweinsteiger was going to be my question because he was substituted in the last game. Uh, what about uh, Lukas Podolski? He has been, he was there in the first game, but uh, you know, in the next two games, I, I have got mixed feelings about Podolski. Well, Podolsky is one of those players who is an instinct footballer. So, you know, you have to allow him his one or the other bad match. I, th- I would hope that he has his explosion because um, it's quite funny that every match we've played so far, the first real chance for Germany actually came off Podolsky in the 6th to 8th minute. Sadly, yeah. only scored in the first game. So, I think Podolsky is going to be very interesting. And interesting, of course, will be who will be left back behind him. Because Jerome Boateng is said to be injured as well. So does Bart Stuber come back? Or does Marcel Janssen get a chance? You know, those are the questions. And, uh, you know, that will be very interesting to see what Joachim Löw does. Because otherwise the team is set. Looks closer, will come back. Latest news is that Kakao seems to have an injury. So Kakao will not be an option. So it's going to be interesting to see how this young German team plays. But... Just one last thing about this thing. Uh, last year at the Under-21 Euro Championships, Germany played England in the final. And uh, Germany actually won 4-0. Three, four of those boys who played that final in the German team are actually part of this German team, are actually part of the first 11 even. On the other side, England doesn't even have a player of, of that squad involved in their first 11. So, you know, they, they've got the experience uh, at the international level. You know, you've got a lot of players who play for Bayern Munich. So they've had a great season, two titles, Champions League final. So even players like a Bach Tuber or a Thomas Müller just played the first full season have got more experience than most of the other players at the, their age. It will be interesting to see if Capello uh, takes a page out of Serbia, uh, the way Serbia played uh, against Germany to stop uh, Podolski and um, uh, Uzil uh, taking shots. Guys, uh, we're done for today. We are moving into the second round and the excitement starts. Aruna will be on television again tomorrow, right? Aruna, on ESPN, what is what time? Yes, I think it will be an hour before the match. So I would expect it to be around 6.40 p.m. And um, yeah, hopefully the, we'll have a cracker of a game. And of course, thereafter, we've got Argentina-Mexico. So it's a super Sunday for world football fans. Yes, it is. So, uh, don't forget to catch Arunava on ESPN around uh, 6.40pm. That is Indian Standard Time. And uh, do join in again. We'll be back with the next episode very soon. Hopefully, this is Vikram Nanudekar signing off. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.